0: Recovery from Anything features real stories that some listeners might find distressing. Check the show notes for specific content warnings and information on support services.
1: I remember this deep pit of sadness kind of washed over me. And then I kind of came out of it, I went, whoop, sky high. I was convinced that either everyone went through it as a teenager and no one talked about it. or I was the only one in the entire world.
0: Welcome to Recovery From Anything. I'm your host, Abby Felton. If you live with mental illness, you'll know that recovery doesn't necessarily mean a complete absence of symptoms. But rather, it's a journey towards achieving stability, managing your symptoms and improving your quality of life. I live with borderline personality disorder, which, on a good day, is an inconvenience. But on a bad day, completely transforms my life. One minute I'm coping quite well and, frankly, crushing it. The next I'm so overwhelmed and frustrated I cease to function. My condition is like the boogeyman lurking under my bed, ready to strike when I'm at my most vulnerable. The thing is, I'm not afraid of the boogeyman anymore because I understand him. My ongoing mental health recovery has taught me how to identify my triggers and manage my responses to them, giving me, for the first time ever really, stability. This week's storyteller also enjoys a plentiful life beyond the complexities of mental illness. But how do you eventually reach that destination when at the start, you don't even know where you're going?
1: Here's live. When I was younger, I was very much a worrier. I was always worrying about everything possible. I remember having this constant fear of dread. But up until I was... 14 I was what I consider a pretty stable teenager like I was doing really well at school like I had a really really good group of friends I was really happy to me it happened literally overnight it was new year's eve I was 13 about to turn 14 I remember this deep pit of sadness kind of washed over me and I could not figure out why I was sad it was so weird I remember my mom my mom saying to me like what's going on why are you sad I was like I don't know I don't know, I just feel this sadness. It lasted for like two weeks, and then I kind of came out of it, I went whoop, sky high, I was like, I'm the best in the world, I can conquer anything. And that's my first phase of mania. And then it kind of subsided, and I kind of came back to stability. And then about a few weeks later, the the pattern continued again. Everything went to shit. I didn't care. I didn't care at all about school, like I was, bottom classes for most of most of my subjects wasn't really bothered about anything about learning I just wanted to kind of see my friends but then I was secluding myself as well so I, lo- I lost a lot of friends during school as well because I was not only like secluding myself i would say myself but I was lashing out as well I wasn't the nice person to be around I was convinced that either everyone went through it as a teenager and no one talked about it i was the only one in the entire world because back then we're talking like 15 or so years ago no one was talking about mental health it was very taboo it was very stigmatized if it was mentioned in the papers or the media it was in such a bad light i remember like going on tumblr and finding a kind of this weird community of people who understood me but also it was so toxic and that kind of fueled my my struggles, well you no, know, I began self harming. I was bulimic for most of my teenage years. Mental health and especially mental illness, it can really change your persona. It can make you become someone that's not necessarily you and you tend to rely on certain things or substances in order to block out the pain. But in order to block out the pain, you almost become a different person yourself. So Jack so you and Hide for me. You know, I would find that on the days where I had depression I was just a moody ass bitch no one wants to be around me I don't blame them when I was manic, I was everyone's best friend everyone loved me I was a party animal life of the party you know I was the most fun but it was it's hard to explain to someone especially back then that I was going through something quite traumatic to me I had this big secret because like I said back then Fifteen or so years ago, mental health was so taboo and so very much like you know we don't talk about that. You don't talk about that at all. My first kind of inkling that I may have something a bit more than just the typical I feel sad, I feel happy, was when Demi Lovato they did a documentary called Stay Strong, and they spoke about how they had bipolar disorder. And when they described it, I was like, that's me. Oh my god, that's me. And that was my first kind of taste of like, oh okay, this meant this this makes sense to me. And also it was so nice for someone who was my age to speak about the mental health struggles because no one did that. It was groundbreaking to me. It was like someone had just gone into my soul and gone, I see you, I hear you. And that was it was the most amazing transformative moment for me. Was to realize that I wasn't alone. It was till I was eighteen when I basically had, I wouldn't say a breakdown, but I was just like, you know, when you're just you're hiding so much from everyone, it just spills out of you. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, "You need to get some help. Like this is not normal behavior." She was like, "You need to go to see, speak to someone." So went to the GP, and I was so nervous because I thought they're going to put me in some white straight jacket. They're going to cart me off to some random hospital. I whenever never see my family again. So I wrote down this like novella. It was so long of like my pain, my struggles, what I was going through, my thoughts. And I kind of gave it the book and just said, I don't know how to say the word, but I wrote down like what I'm feeling. And she was so sympathetic. She was so kind. She was so considerate. And she said, I think you need to speak to someone who's more specialized. So I was transferred to a mental health hospital near me it wasn't until i was about 19 20 when i got a definite diagnosis because those two years they were constantly going back and forth between this diagnosis and this one they they weren't quite sure and then i was put under what's called home treatment which is basically when someone comes to your house every single day make sure you're taking meds and just talk to you when you're in like a really vulnerable state and at that time they were like you definitely have bipolar disorder but definitely shows me I was like I know I know this in a weird way I was relieved because for years I thought that I was this girl who just had these with random mood swings to have a name for it was like oh that makes a lot of sense I get it now I have no problem telling people my diagnosis at all I have no shame in saying you know I have bipolar disorder I deal with it quite well there you go I don't like to say struggle with it because I feel like when I say I struggle with bipolar disorder it sounds like it's can control am on the driver's seat I deal with it I know when I'm getting depressed when I stop answering text messages I'm very much like if you text me you get a reply in seconds. So when I stop replying to messages and stop kind of making the effort yes of my friends, that's when I know something's going on. And then it'll increase to, like, personal hygiene. I'll stop taking out care of my skin. My, I'll stop having makeup on. I'll stop brushing my hair. And then it'll kind of come down to, I don't want to go out anymore. Nothing brings me joy. And it brings me excitement. I just feel this grey cloud around me. And then it sinks lower and lower, and then I will get out of bed. I won't eat. It's like I am suicidal. I don't see colours. Everything is grey, and the colours are being really muted. And it's a bit like, ugh. But when you're manic, colours are so vibrant, and everything just looks amazing. And you just feel like, oh my God, the world is mine. Mania to some people made it like the most fun thing ever. And it can be like, when you, when you feel manic, it's like, oh my God, I can do anything. But that's the problem. You have no concept of reality and you think you are indestructible. Nothing can stop you, not the law, not gravity, not nothing. You are unkillable. So my manic stages often led me to drug use, binge drinking. You know, I would often participate in really dangerous activities. I felt like I was the world's strongest man, but I wasn't, you know. And it, it was—it's such a weird thing because it's almost like being on some sort of drug where you're like you, you're all your emotions are ten times intensified. And for me, mania can often be either I am having the best time of my life, or it can be I am the most angriest person in the history of man. And I think people presume that mania is just about. You know, your life is on the person you are. But it can heighten any emotion you're really feeling. So for me, if I was angry and manic, close the door and lock me in a bin, just put me to bed, you know, it was dangerous. I'd, I'd love to say that I was put on a medication, I had therapy, and now we're here today. It's not that simple. There's no kind of one-size-fits-all for medication. I've been on about 12 different types of medication, in order to get to the right one and it's a fun game isn't it it's a real fun game first time that I was on I gained a lot of weight which is absolutely fine we all gain weight I was a size 8 when I was first diagnosed and I think I went up to a size 14 in the space of two years absolutely fine it wasn't the weight that bothered me it was the fact that I had to navigate being a bigger body when for so long, I dealt with eating disorders and bad body image. My worst fear was being bigger. And Calm was like, bitch, we're going to show you what it's like to be bigger. And I was like, oh, it's actually, actually fine. Like, me gaining that weight almost really helped my body image and my eating disorder. You know how they say with anxiety, you have to face your fears. I faced my fear of being this bigger girl. It was like, oh, it's actually not that bad at all. Look who's changed. The weird thing with that tablet was, I'd take it at a certain time. but half an hour later, I was conked out. And it made me feel like a zombie. I have no recollection of my 21st birthday. Christmas is up until 24. No idea what happened. Was I even there? Who knows? And then I trialled another tablet which gave me chronic migraines. And finally, finally, I was putting a tablet it just seemed to do the job it just seemed to make me go ah i should feel like a stable human being now i've been on that now for about five years and i tried the whole stop of medication to see if i needed the medication i do need the medication without medication i am not myself i'm not i'm very pro medication there's no shame in taking a tablet for mental health why Always so anti-medication when it comes to mental health. I came off my meds altogether in July because I was going through some sort of physical side effects which I needed to take control of. I was getting spasms in my eyes. I couldn't open my eyes properly. It was quite it was horrible. And my doctor said to me, we'll take off all medication see see what's, what's causing the side effect. And in that period of July to December, I was on no medication and my moods were all over the shop. It was horrific and I would either go into a really deep state of depression for weeks on end or I'd be bouncing off the walls, cleaning the entire house. But luckily, I was in the care of my mental health team who would often kind of check in and say like, you know, we're still getting to the bottom of your side effect. But luckily, I'm back on the same meds now. I'm much more stable. And the difference now, like, I still, I still have the same depression episodes and the mania. But the tablets, for me personally, help so much. I just feel like I'm in, I'm the one in control now, rather than my, my mind. It's like I'm the driving seat now. So, was there a moment from when you started getting treatment
0: that you kind of like turned a corner?
1: Yes, it was November sixteenth, twenty sixteen, when I started my Instagram account because it was the first time I was open and honest about how I was feeling. Like, I felt like for years I had this little secret inside me. I couldn't tell a single soul. And when I started my Instagram account, it wasn't to become an influencer. It wasn't to get brand deals. It was just to tell my friends and family. This is my story. This is what I deal with. Let's talk about it. I wanted people who were close to me to feel they could come to me if they had a mental health problem and feel like they could trust me. That first post got, it it sounds silly, but to me it was a huge thing. It got 300 likes. I had 300 followers. I was like, has everyone, what, mental? It was so therapeutic and so soul nourishing to go, I struggled with this for four years, but you don't have to. I released the shackles from me and then it kind of snowballed from there And that's when I realised that something's happening here. There's a need for authenticity and not just that, there's a need to talk about mental health because I feel like we talk a lot about depression and anxiety, but disorders like bipolar disorder, BPD, schizophrenia, they're all kind of like hush-hush a bit. They're not fully spoken about and I want to be able to say, I have bipolar disorder and I'm not ashamed and not have the stigma come back to me. You feel like you have a purpose as well. You feel like, you know, you were just put on this planet to deal with the torture of mental illness. You're there to help people guide through the tortures and to show them that there is life, there is hope. It's not a death sentence. You can live a wonderful, brilliant, vibrant life with mental illness. It sounds so simple, but if I'm having, like, even if it's just, like, the smallest worry, I'll tell my partner, I'll tell my mom. I'll tell... Whoever will listen, because I know what it's like to hold something back for so long and it eats away inside of you. So to be able to go to someone, oh, this is my worry, and allowing them to go, oh, you know what? I'm actually worried about that as well. You don't feel so alone.
0: What's the live of today like in comparison to you as a teenager?
1: She's happier. She's so much more confident. She knows who she is. She's proud of who she is. She's strong, she's capable, she's fucking weird. But she's great. I'm really proud of the person I am today. Because without that little live struggling, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So I'd I like to think that both of them are at peace now. I would never consider myself recovered. I'm still recovering. To be able to wake up every day, continue becoming the best version of myself, and putting my mental health first, putting myself first, my self-love, to do that is a blessing because there's many many of us who haven't been able to do that and many of us who've lost that battle i'm so grateful to be able to recover i'm never taking that for granted ever i'm really proud of the person i am today i conquered all my demons i'm still conquering them as we
0: you've been listening to recovery from anything i'm your host abby felton if you enjoyed this podcast please rate and review the show and join the community on Instagram at recoveryfromanything. You can find out more about this week's storyteller or submit a story of your own on our website, recoveryfromanything.com. Thank you for listening.